Lord called him out of this world. So um, we'll look at that. And that's where we'll be going to Second Chronicles. Because we get a little more information about that. So, But it's, it's a good name to have. Right, Josiah? Yeah. There you go. Um, so we're in Second Kings chapter 23. Now, the difference is, if you want to keep your finger there, put a ribbon there or something, and then flip over to Second Chronicles chapter uh, 35, you'll see that a lot of the stuff that is, um, there's, there's more stuff covered in Kings about the actual Reformation that Josiah affected. Um, but Chronicles has a couple of interesting insights. It okay, gives us a little more detail about uh, the Passovers, the Passover that uh, Josiah celebrated with the people. So we'll get into that in just a moment. So, but let's have a word of prayer before we start. Okay, let's pray. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that it's true. We thank you for gathering us here this evening so that we can learn from you, Lord, and we ask you to be our teacher and instruct us. And we do pray that you would open our hearts to your word and open your word to our hearts. Be with those, Lord, that are on our hearts and in our thoughts tonight that have special needs, with some with health, others just difficulties of life. And we pray you'd be with your servants to whatever their struggles may be. Bless them and do the same for us here. And help us. And we give you all the thanks and praise. Help us to learn, Lord, from the history of your people. And we thank you that this is our history. So help us to remember that. And we thank you now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, we have a study guide, and the study guide, you know, there's only 13 questions on it, so uh, we'll be going through that and kind of looking at the questions. Um, so we start off, if you remember last week, by way of review, Josiah came to the throne. His father Ammon was not a good king. We told he only reigned two years. Um, but he did that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord, and uh, he was killed by some of his own servants, as we read in chapter 21. Um, and then they put his son Josiah on the throne. Josiah, we're told, he was eight years old when he became king, so he was really young, and, uh, and he reigned 31 years. And so last week what we saw was that he did that which was right, and the, the praise that he's given from God is good. It says in chapter 22 at verse 2, uh, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the left, to the right hand rather, or to the left. He, you know, he, he kept God's law. He didn't add on to it and he didn't take away from it. He didn't um, do anything except do what, the, what it said, as far as he knew. And then they find the book of the laws we, we read last week. Hilkiah, when they're renovating the temple, because Josiah knew enough uh, that the temple of God needed to be restored because of all the idolatries that had been, you know, pagan altars and everything else. Manasseh had gotten rid of a lot of that, but it wasn't completely removed. I think when you read about Josiah removing some of the altars out of the temple, it's like, well, wait a minute, Manasseh got rid of those, we thought, but, well, he probably got rid of the top part, maybe, or part of it or something, but there was stuff, still stuff there that was belonged to those pagan altars. So Josiah gets all that junk out, we're going to see. So he hears the law of God read. Hilkiah comes and says, hey, we found a copy of, of God's word of the law. So they read it. It's read to Josiah. He tears his garment. 
says, because it seems like he was reading uh, chapters 28 in uh, Deuteronomy, where it talks about the curses and then the blessings, because he realizes we're under God's curse, we're under God's wrath, because we have really sinned against him. And so um, that's kind of how things were left last week. Um, he sends to Huldah, the prophetess, and she tells him, by the way, the word of the Lord, uh, at the end of chapter 22, Surely, therefore, God says, I will gather you, that is Josiah, to your fathers. And says, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, which is kind of interesting because Josiah is going to die in battle. Okay, He gets killed in a, in a fight uh, with the Egyptians. And yet here's a promise that he'd be gathered to your grave in peace. And it's like, well, isn't that kind of a contradiction when we expect him to live, you know, get old and then be surrounded by his children and grandchildren? Well, he died young, but um, even though he was wounded seriously, we read about that in Chronicles, um, when he was taken out of the battle, the Lord was with him even when he died. So I believe God kept his word to him. He had a short life, but we'll see. Also, there was, a, there's, a, when I say this, there's no such thing as a, Interesting disobedience, okay, in Scripture. Disobedience is just that, sin. But there is an interesting way it came about. Josiah ended up not obeying the word of the Lord. We'll get to that in a few minutes. And it's like, wait a minute, this is a guy that wanted to do God's will. But there was, he, there was one aspect he didn't quite figure out, and he should have because it ended up costing him his life. So we come to chapter 23. So he's got the word of God. He's been told that, Things are going to go well, uh, but God says, I'm going to bring calamity on this place because of all the sins. And so they uh, came back and told the king that. Now, chapter 23, we read, Now the king sent them to gather all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. So he's heard the law of God, so he gathers up everybody. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and with him all the inhabitants of Jerusalem the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the house of the Lord. And again, it, from the content, it, it seems like this is probably the book of Deuteronomy, okay? Um, but it was definitely from the law of Moses. Then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord, to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes. So when he read the law, he knew that not just the Ten Commandments, but also the judgments and the testimonies and the statutes. So he got the full Mosaic administration as to how they were to conduct themselves in regard to worshiping God with ceremonies, also how they were to administer justice. So it was the moral, the civil, and the uh, ceremonial law is what we're talking about, those three divisions. But note what it says. He made a covenant with the, before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. And the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, the priest of the second order, and the doorkeepers to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the articles that were made for Baal. So apparently there was still a lot of junk here. Manasseh hadn't gotten rid of it. And Ammon, apparently, because he did evil in the sight of the Lord, he must have been starting to bring some of that garbage back in. 
So Josiah says, get all that stuff out. He gave them orders, get that out of the temple of the Lord, all the articles that were made for Baal, for uh, Asherah, that was the fertility goddess, and for all the hosts of heaven. And he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron, it's on the uh, east side of Jerusalem, the Kidron Valley, and carried their ashes to Bethel. So he took their ashes up north about 12 miles where Jeroboam had set up his golden calf, if you remember. Okay? Uh, then he removed the idolatrous priest whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense on the high places in the cities of Judah. So he got rid of all those guys. And in the places all around Jerusalem and those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun, to the moon, to the constellations, and to all the hosts of heaven. So he got rid of all these pagan, wicked, demonic, religious practices. And when it says he removed them, well, that means he stopped them, and later we're going to see uh, put a lot of them to death because of what they were doing. Because um, in the law it did say that anybody that worshipped false gods was to be put to death. And he brought out the wooden image from the house of the Lord to the brook Kidron outside Jerusalem, burned it at the brook Kidron, and ground it to ashes, and threw its ashes on the graves of the common people. So he gets rid of this idol. Then he tore down the ritual booths of the perverted persons that were in the house of the Lord. So these were things that were set aside for immoral practices. And they'd actually set them up inside the temple, okay? And then this is, you know, the people supposedly that were the devotees of uh, these practices and these false gods, they were there, and uh, I don't need to explain it, you can figure it out, but it was extremely wicked, so he got rid of all that, okay? Uh, he tore down the booths of the perverted persons uh, that were in the house, house of the Lord. That's the, the real thing about this is, no, these things were in the temple, uh, where the women wove hangings for the wooden images, so they, would, they, they made garments to hang on their idols. Uh, and he brought all the priests from the cities of Judah and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense, from Geba to Beersheba. He also broke down the high places at the gates, which were at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were to the left of the city gate. Nevertheless, the priest of the high places did not come up to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem. Now keep in mind, not, not all the high places were, were given over to idolatry. Sometimes they were set up and they, they claimed to be worshiping God there. But God had said, you're supposed to worship in Jerusalem. So these priests are not necessarily Baal-type priests, uh, but they had been officiating at the high places. And so uh, they didn't come up to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, but they ate unleavened bread among their brethren. That comes up later with the Passover. So these aren't pagan priests or apostate Israelites. These were actually probably Levitical or uh, Aaronic priests, but they were involved in, in supporting these high places that generally were either given over to idolatry or had some kind of mixed religion, you know, where they, oh yeah, we worship the Lord, but you know, we want to stand good with these other gods too, that kind of foolishness. So uh, they were compromised. And then we read on uh, some of the questions. If you're looking at them, you can see uh, we're up to really about question number five. It says, uh, what did the king, why did the king defile Tophet? Okay, so we've got most of this. Uh, 
What did Josiah read to the leaders? Well, he read the, the word of God, the law. What was the substance of the covenant Josiah made before the Lord? Well, you guys tell me. What was the substance of Josiah's covenant? What was it all about? Follow the Lord and his commandments. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and with uh, how, how so? Just on Saturdays? No. All the time. Huh? All the time. All the time. And what's the phrase used in the text? He was going to serve the Lord with all his... Oh, sorry, I got a mic on there. Uh, all his heart and all his soul, okay? Your soul is you, okay? And that means he was giving himself over to the service of God. Um, and so then, um, what did he command Hilkiah uh, the priest to do? Well, to get all the junk out of the temple. That was the, the main thing. And then uh, what did he, Joshua do to the idolatrous priests? He put them down. We're going to see he deals with them also severely pretty soon. Uh, and this is all going on when Josiah is relatively young, okay? Uh, and then why did he defile Tophet? So let's read on and find out, okay? Verse 10 says, And he defiled Tophet, which was in the valley of the sons of Hinnom. By the way, the valley of Hinnom, the way you say that in Hebrew is Gehenna. And Gehenna is the term Christ used in the New Testament to describe hell. Because later on, after Josiah, it was basically it became the city's garbage dump. And it, there was a continual burning there all the time. They also sometimes would like take the bodies of criminals and just throw them into the trash piles that were burning. And it was a pretty ugly sight because there'd be you know, dead bodies that would stink and then there'd be smoke and the worms eating them. So when Jesus describes hell as the place where uh, the fire is not quenched, the worms do not die, or, and the fire is not quenched. This is a pretty sobering picture, but the people in Jerusalem had an awareness of that. With that they'd seen, they knew that in Gehenna, and that's actually used in the Greek New Testament, and it's generally translated hell, seems to be the equivalent of the lake of fire, but the idea it's a place of, you might say, just death and uh, perpetual death. So that was the, the Valley of Hinnom, before Josiah had defiled it, and by defiled it, he made it where it, they, no one would want to worship any fake deity or you, know, you wouldn't worship the Lord there. But he just made it where nobody's going to go there and set up a statue of Moloch. Because if you remember, uh, Manasseh and others had actually sacrificed their own children to these images, uh, these de demon gods. And so Josiah makes sure that's not going to happen anymore. I remember when I was growing up, I might have mentioned this before, in Stockton, California, if you go, get on Highway 4 to go west toward the Bay Area, Highway 4 is kind of, it used to just be a two-lane road, then it became four-lane, I don't know, it's not a freeway, but just outside of Stockton, when you get to the San Joaquin River on the other side, that was the place where Stockton dumped its garbage for years from the time of its founding uh, which would have been in the 1850s, and then I was, you know, around from the 1950s and on. But when I was a kid, I remember we'd come in, and one time somebody had tried to burn the grass on the top of it because it was it basically was this huge fill field that had all this, you know, old garbage dumped in. Well, it caught on fire, and it continually burned, and it stunk. It was I remember diving to roll the windows up, you know, because, oh, man, we're getting ready to cross the San Joaquin. And it just was not pleasant. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, like if you ever read about Carbondale, Pennsylvania, my, my friend Dennis Rowe uh, pastored a church there, and that's the place where nobody pretty much lives there now because they kept, set the coal on fire one time burning something, and it's been burning underground. Every once in a while, a house will just drop down into the pit. Uh, so it's like not the best place to live. It's kind of hard to get a good night's rest if you're not sure if your house is going to fall into a burning pit that night. And that has happened a few times. So uh, that city's pretty well, and they tried everything they could to put it out, and they just can't. So this was the picture, okay? So Josiah defiled Tophet. Uh, and note why, that no man might make his son or his daughter pass through the fire to Molech. Okay? Uh, then he removed the horses that the kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun at the entrance of the house of the Lord by the chamber of Nathan Melech, uh, the officer who was in the court. And he burned the chariots of the sun with fire. So they had all these things that they'd set up. Uh, idolatrous things. The altars that were on the roof, the upper chamber of Ahaz, which the kings of Judah had made, and the altars which Manasseh had made, in the two courts of the house of the Lord, the king broke down and pulverized there. So Manasseh got rid of them, but not completely. And it could be you know, that he, they just basically didn't use them anymore, but they were still there. So Josiah makes sure they're gone. He gets rid of everything. Uh, and threw their dust into the brook Kidron. Then the king defiled the high places that were east of Jerusalem, which were on the south of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon, king of Israel, had built for Ashtaroth, uh, the abomination of the Sidonians, for Chamoth, the abomination of the Moabites, and for Milcom, the abomination of the people of Ammon. If you remember, Solomon's wives were pagans, a lot of them, because he had too many wives, um, and they seduced his heart so that he went along, and they were like, oh, could we set up an altar for our God, too? And he was like, oh, sure, I guess it'd be okay. And so they filled Jerusalem with all this wickedness. And these things were still there in Josiah's day. Uh, and he broke in pieces the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images and filled their places with the bones of men. So, you know, any religion is going to consider that's not a place, you know, that's not a sanctified or holy place. Moreover, the altar that was at Bethel, so now we're about 12 miles up in, from Jerusalem in the town of Bethel, uh, the altar that was at Bethel and the high place which Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, had, uh, who made Israel sin, had made both the altar and the high place. He broke down and he burned the high place and crushed it to powder and burned the wooden image. As Josiah turned, he saw the tombs that were there on the mountain, and he sent and took the bones out of the tombs and burned them on the altar and defiled it according to the word of the Lord, which the man of God proclaimed. If you remember about 300 years before this, when Jeroboam was the first king over the northern kingdom, uh, he set up his idolatrous worship there, and the man of God came up. Remember the fellow that the old prophet lied to him and got him to come to his house and eat when God had told him, don't do that? And he ended up getting killed by lions. And anyway, they buried him. And so um, he prophesied and said, there's going to come a king named Josiah who's going to defile this place and destroy it. And it, God always keeps his word. Okay? Um, which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed these words. Then he said, whose gravestone is this that I see? So Josiah sees a grave that's a little different than the other ones. So the men of the city told him, 
It is the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and proclaimed these things which you have done against the altar of Bethel. So they were still aware of this prophecy. And he said, let him alone, let no one move his bones. So they let his bones alone with the bones of the prophet who came from Samaria, the old prophet that had lied to him and got him killed when he told his sons, when I die, put my body in with this prophet because he was a true man of God. Kind of a strange story, but anyway, God kept his word and it was fulfilled 100%. So now Josiah also took away all the shrines of the high places that were in the cities of Samaria. So keep in mind, you know, there's no northern kingdom now, so Josiah's going up and he's cleaning up the northern area now. He's actually... This is the first time a king in Judah has really, at least from what we can gather, has really exercised authority up north. So he's going up there now, and he says, all this junk, this land belongs to God and to his people. And so he goes up and he removes all the shrines of the high places in Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made to provoke the Lord to anger. Interesting statement, huh? Uh, didn't just say that it did. It says they had done it to provoke the Lord to anger. So it shows when people are apostatized and begin worshiping false gods and things like that, they know in their heart of hearts who the Lord is. It's done in opposition to him. And he, that is Josiah, did to them according to all the deeds he had done in Bethel. He executed the priests of the high places who were there on the altars and burned men's bones on them, and he returned to Jerusalem. So these guys, and keep in mind, Baal worship involved human sacrifice, primarily you know, children. And so, you know, we read, oh, you killed all these priests? It's like, yeah, these guys deserve to die. They were murderers. Uh, and so as the civil magistrate, as the king, he was charged by God to make sure that evildoers were punished, so he did that. Uh, so that's, uh, we get up here a couple more questions, and it says, um, you guys can answer number six, how thorough were Josiah's reforms? We just read about it. How, well, how would you describe how thorough were his reforms? More, yeah. Everybody pretty much agree. This, as far as his predecessors, this is off the scale. This is a guy that's like, you know, we're going to deal with this garbage once and for all, so that it's not going to come back. Because every time it comes back, we seem to get destroyed. You, and they had learned the lesson, at least Josiah had, of what had happened to the northern kingdom. It was gone. You know, and they saw that, that God's not to be mocked. Okay? Um, yes, Eric? Was he the first king to remove the high places? Other kings removed the high places, but they didn't necessarily take a lot of the altars and everything. It seemed, and also the people always, you know, you'd have a good king and he'd kind of like deal with it a little bit or sometimes a lot. Hezekiah was fairly thorough. But then that king would die, and then the next king, like in Hezekiah's case, Manasseh comes to the throne, and all of a sudden, you know, he plunges himself and pretty much the whole nation into idolatry. It's like, where's all the resistance? You know, how come it seems like the people were really quick to follow into idolatry? Uh, with Josiah, he's making sure, you know, it's not going to happen. So he's removing all, his job as civil magistrate was to deal with the externals. He couldn't change anybody's heart. But he was going to make it really difficult. If anybody wants to worship Baal, they're going to have a hard time finding a place to do it. So he gets rid of all that garbage. So we get some insight. You know, sometimes when we've seen political reformations, you know, they basically, they can't change people's hearts, so they just start killing people and stuff. Like he did kill some guys that deserved to die, the, the priests. But generally, um, 
when you see reforms on a political basis or something like that, there's usually a lot of violence and bloodshed. God changes hearts. Josiah knew though as civil magistrate, it was his duty to deal with the externals. You know, the government can't knock on your door and arrest you. Well, they can, I guess, in some countries, maybe here eventually. They can't really arrest you for having a bad attitude. Okay? If they did, most of us would be in a lot of trouble sometimes, okay? Uh, but they can if you violate the law and actually commit a crime, then you can, you know, be punished. So that's the civil magistrate's job. So he was being very faithful to his calling as a godly king. So he does that. And then um, the next step we see, so he's, he's dealt with this idolatrous garbage that's just been a plague in Israel. And then we, we read that um, the king commanded all the people saying, keep the Passover to the Lord your God as it is written in the book of the covenant. And that means in scripture. Such a Passover surely had never been held since the days of the judges who judged Israel, nor in all the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, this Passover was held before the Lord in Jerusalem. So, um, you know, it says in question 7, asked, after Josiah had cleansed the land of all vestiges of idolatry, in the 18th, and it shouldn't be a comma in there, comma there should just say idolatry in the 18th year of his reign, then a comma, what did he command the people to do? And the answer is, yeah, keep the Passover. They hadn't been doing it properly. He wanted to make sure. Now, if we jump over to Chronicles, um, we get some more insight. Because remember, Chronicles looks at the history of Judah and Israel, actually, from the perspective of the temple, from the idea of God's worship, okay, from that perspective. And so um, we're told in chapter 35, it begins with this. Uh, now, this is chapter 35 of Second Chronicles. Now Josiah kept the Passover to the Lord in Jerusalem, and they slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th day of the first month, according to Scripture. And he set the priest in their duties and encouraged them for the service of the house of the Lord. Then he said to the Levites who taught all Israel, by the way, note that, the tribe of Levi were set aside to be teachers in Israel. And then within the Levites, you had the, the house of Aaron. Those were the sacrificing priests. So not all Levites offered blood sacrifices, but they were to be teachers. Uh, he said to the Levites who taught Israel, who were holy to the Lord, Put the holy ark in the house which Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, built. It shall no longer be a burden on your shoulders. So apparently the ark hadn't been placed in the temple for a long time. Now serve the Lord your God and his people Israel. Prepare yourselves according to your father's houses, according to your divisions. Okay, there were various divisions of the uh, tribe of Levi. Follow the written instructions of David, king of Israel, and the written instructions of Solomon, his son, and stand in the holy place according to the divisions of the fathers' houses of your brethren, uh, the lay people, and according to the division of the fathers' house uh, of the Levites. To slaughter the Passover offerings, consecrate yourself, and prepare them for your brethren that they may do according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. People were to come to the temple. The priest of the house of Aaron offered the sacrifices. But here, the Levites are being told you're to help out with this because we're doing this for the whole nation, okay? So they're getting it set up. 
Then Josiah gave the lay people lambs. So no, here, this is the king, okay? He tells them you need to do this. And a lot of them were poor. So uh, he makes sure that everybody had, you know, it'd kind of be the equivalent if the, you know, if we had, if the governor gave out turkeys or something at Christmas or Thanksgiving, okay? It's kind of similar, except this is actually appointed by God. Uh, then Josiah gave the lay people lambs and young goats from the flock, all for Passover offerings for all who were present to the number of 30,000. So there's a lot of, a lot of livestock there, as well as 3,000 cattle. These were from the king's possessions, and his leaders gave willingly to the people, to the priest and to the Levites, Hilkiah, Zechariah, and Jehiel, rulers of the house of God, and gave to the priest for the Passover offerings 2,600 from the flock and 300 cattle. Also, Conaniah, his brother Shemaiah, and Nathanel, and Hashabiah, and uh, Jael, and Josabad, should have had somebody else read this one, um, chief of the Levites, gave to the Levites for Passover offerings 5,000 from the flock and 500 cattle. So they were pretty well off as far as livestock is concerned. But you notice here, they're being generous. They want to make sure, hey, we're going to worship God the way he said. So the service was prepared, and the priests stood in their places, and the Levites in their divisions, according to the king's command, and they slaughtered the Passover offerings, and the priests sprinkled the blood with their hands while the Levites skinned the animals. Uh, then they removed the burnt offerings that they might give them to the divisions of the fathers' houses of the lay people to offer to the Lord as it is written in the book of Moses. So note this, they're not just making this up as they're going along. They're returning, this is a real reformation. They're returning back to doing what God had said to do in his word. And so they did, um, uh, and so, excuse me, and so they did with the cattle. Also, they roasted the Passover offerings with the fire according to the ordinance. Uh, but the other holy offerings, they boiled in pots, in cauldrons, and in pans, and divided them for the priest. And I love this. Uh, for the priest, because the priest, the sons of Aaron, were busy in offering burnt offerings and fat until night. So they, they couldn't go and prepare meals for their own family. So they, the other, their brothers, fellow Levites, looked out for them. Therefore the Levites prepared portions for themselves and for the priest and the sons of Aaron. And the singers, the sons of Asaph, were in their places according to the command of David, Asaph, Haman, and Jeduthun, the king's seer. Also, the, and the, we have a similar thing with the gatekeepers. They're still guarding the gates of the city. So it says, also the gatekeepers were at each gate. They did not have, uh, they did not have to leave their positions because their brethren, the Levites, prepared portions for them. So the Levites are really doing a diaconal work. You know, the word diakonos in Greek means one who waits on tables or a waiter. And so the Levites, are, they're making, oh, hey, you know what? The, the guys that are guarding the gates, they're on duty. They can't come and eat. So they took food to them. It's just, this is kind of a little insight, you know, a little cultural thing. It's like, so you can kind of get a picture that day. If you were on guard duty, you're there, you've got your, you know, your, some of your armor and your spear and your sword and, getting dark but you can't leave and then you can probably smell some of the sacrifices might smell pretty good probably you know talking about roast lamb and and the cattle and other things but being there it's like oh man i wish i could be there and well the levites come and make sure they get part of it so kind of neat um, so they do this so it's a pretty awesome passover so uh so their brethren the levites prepared portions for them and then in verse 16 uh, of second chronicles 35 
So all the service of the Lord was prepared the same day to keep the Passover and to offer burnt offerings on the altar of the Lord according to the command of King Josiah. And the children of Israel who were present kept the Passover at that time and the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days. And then note this is the, what God says. And we're we're going to uh, end here. We'll get to pick it up next week uh, about the death of, of Josiah. But here it says, There had been no Passover kept in Israel like that since the days of Samuel the prophet. And none of the kings of Israel had kept such a Passover as Josiah kept with the priests and the Levites, all Judah and Israel. So these were people that had escaped from the northern areas and came down south. So uh, all Judah and Israel who were present and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. In the 18th year of the reign of Josiah, this Passover was kept. Josiah was 26 years old when this happened. So it's like, what an awesome king. So um, the end of this is uh, his, his death. And we'll uh, say time has fled. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll let Joshua, Josiah rather live another week, okay? Uh, so we can learn from this, though, and it's like we see, you know, how badly we fail often to really be diligent in obedience. You see there's a precision in Josiah's obedience and what he taught the people and commanded. Um, they didn't do a sloppy job. They said, you know what, we need to worship God the way he says. And that's one of the things I appreciate about, you know, being in a Bible-believing church with Bible-believing Christians, not trying to flatter you guys, but it is nice to be among people that are like, let's find out what the Bible says to do and do it, you know, um, and that's how we're to worship God. So Josiah's reformation was absolutely thorough. He got rid of idolatry and anything that would make it easy for someone to practice it. He, he tore down their altars, he got rid of all of it, and he defiled them so they wouldn't get used again for that. So pretty interesting king, and next week uh, we'll pick up where we end here, okay, and that's right now at this Passover. That was the kind of the highlight of, he lived a number of years after that, but um, this was the highlight. Apparently it was very well remembered. So if you want to finish out the uh, study guide this week, take it home with you. If you want to just read through the remaining section, uh, you can go ahead and answer those questions yourself, but we'll pick it up from there, all right? So uh, Alex, would you uh, conclude us in prayer, brother? Amen. Amen. Thank you.